All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for stopping by a Friday episode of Dropping the Gloves. Tim is here. I'm here. We're going to recap some hockey games. Big night of hockey again. I feel like I say it every single night, but it's the truth. The first round is the best. Four games every night. It's just action-packed. This was the last night that we'll have four games from here on out. There's no way, unless they go four games in one night. Three tonight. What's that? Nashville got is awesome already. There was four games yeah. last night, Tim. Pay attention. Keep up. You said tonight, John. Thank you very much. And this will be last night was the last night there was four games. So it was it was a it was a big night. We had the Canes, Bruins, Leafs, Lightning, Wild Blues, and Oilers, Kings, all potentially season ending games or potentially going into game seven. I don't know what happened. We'll let you know. But it was it was a lot of fun. There's a lot going on. Let's just start with your hometown Bruins, Tim. I thought they were dead in the water. I thought coming off of game five, they looked terrible. Nothing could go right. They were a one-dimensional team. They, they threw that first line at you, and that was it. They had nothing else to give. Swayman played okay, I think, in last night's or two games ago. And I just figured they were going back to Boston. Carolina was going to continue to roll. They, they really took a step forward in game five. And then game six started, and he dropped the puck. And boy, did the Bruins look good. From start to finish, it, it, was, it was a different team out there. They had some supplemental offense. It wasn't just a perfection line. Hollis showed up. Charlie Coyle gets a goal. You know, even the third, fourth line, Lazar, Felino, those guys were playing well. It was a, a well-balanced diet. And everybody was firing. And Carolina looked out of sorts uh, somewhat. Carolina still played well, I think. Swayman played pretty good. You're, you're keeping pretty close tabs on this series. Obviously, you're a Bruins fan through and through. You're from Southie. You and Ben Affleck are like boys. You and Gronk, you once saw him at a club and touched him, claimed to fame. What what was the difference between five and six with the Bruins team? What? Why is it so different from one game to the next with these guys? Uh, it was a few things. One, they're playing at home. But the home team have won every game this series, so I think there's definitely something to be said for that, which makes me a little bit nervous for game Game seven in Carolina. Um, the Bruins changed their lineup. They went back to breaking up that top line, went back to like kind of their default line over the last couple of months. 
with Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque up top, Hall, Hall up, Postenok in the second line. And the third and fourth line have been pretty consistent. They've, they've sat uh, Wagner, brought Trent Frederick back, and he had a pretty good game. Lazar and Nosek, especially in that fourth line, you mentioned a great game. Polino had a great play on the goal that that line scored. So they look pretty good. I think I think balancing out the top two lines worked well because you got that goal from Maricala, who's been super quiet this whole series. You got a power play goal from Charlie Coyle, who's also been pretty quiet in the series. And those are those are two huge goals at that point in the game. So I think that was a big part of it too. And then I think Swayman played pretty well. You got to give him credit. Um, the, the the Canes didn't really look like they had it last night. Um, and it seems like it's – this is probably the game that I felt the most confident afterwards after the Bruins. Even games three and four, they won. I was still kind of like, yeah, I don't love them in this series. I haven't seen a great game from them last night yet. Last night they played better. I wouldn't say it's a great game yet. Um, and then I think the last interesting point I'll, I'll make is they had Hampus Lindholm back. He yeah. returned. He looked really good. He was arguably their best player last night. He looked like he was playing to – make up for being gone the past few games. And then this is kind of an interesting roster move. When he went down, you bring in Mike Riley. He's been playing pretty well. He comes back. They don't sit Mike Riley. They sit Matt Grizzlick, which is the first time he's been sad. He's a healthy scratch. And I know Cassidy said that he's been dealing with a couple of banged up issues and he's not at 100%. And that's probably true, but he hasn't been playing great. And he hasn't really. He's been exposed in the playoffs like the last two years probably against the Islanders. And so... Sitting him, I think, was the right move, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. He'll play some games, but I think what we saw last night from the defense is their, is their default lineup moving forward. Yeah, and I think that was a smart move. Riley did step in, and he played well. And with Grizzlick, he's a, he's a puck-moving guy. He's a, he's a smaller guy. He's not going to put up many points, but his his play is to get the puck and get up in the, get up in the play. He's got zero points. He's minus six. He's struggled all series. Minus six. And I think he's only played, what, five games? That's not good, Tim. So it was a good choice getting him out. Riley has – he's been good. Him and Forbert – and listen, I watched the game. Forbert did look good. He gets that goal. <laughs> Big goal. Eating yeah. crow over here. I'm just like, gosh. He, and he does he does his job, and he does it well. He doesn't try to overextend himself. He's a good sixth defenseman, and he, and he plays well. But, yeah, Hampus Lindholm, he broke up a couple plays where I thought Carolina was going to score two-on-one. You know, like he, he is – he played really, really well. And if he can play like that in game seven, if the Bruins can not get that kind of effort from their third and fourth line, holy upset city Batman. Is it, is it just going to be, I don't, I don't even know what to expect because it, it has been the home team dominant series. It, it seems like Carolina's good at home. They win the first two go to Boston, win, loss, win, loss. The home teams won every game. Yeah. What do you expect for game seven? I don't see any changes from Carolina. I don't see any changes from Boston. What what's going to happen, Tim? Is it just the par for the course? Carolina is going to have a bounce back game where they're going to win. Anti Ranta looked shaky. He didn't look yep. like he was seeing the puck well. It, it seemed to he was fighting it. What what are your predictions for Game Seven here? Because this is huge for Boston. I I did not expect them to get this far. This is a big game for them. It not just in this playoffs, but I think it's a big game overall for the whole makeup of the franchise if they make it to the second round maybe you give these guys a few more years to go for a cup but if you lose now i feel like you need to reevaluate everything just from top down whether it's marshawn posternock bergeron hall Halla, the whole makeup of the team you have to reevaluate because what we lost to carolina they're not even the best team in the conference so that this is a big game for the bruins 
for the next three to five years. What do you think is going? Yeah, I know you're not Nostradamus, but what do you predict? What what Boston Bruins team is going to show up? Well, you're right. It is a big game, and I think these guys know that, especially the the older guys on the team, the Bergerons, the Martians. So I hope that this is. I, I think they're going to come out really strong in Game Seven. I think I think it kind of comes down to two things. One, you just mentioned that um, Anti Ranta didn't look great, so I think kind of where he goes, the Hurricanes go. And if he lets in a couple of soft goals, and it's two nothing Bruins, or you know even throughout the course of the game, that's going to be a hard game for them to win because you know the Bruins are going to bring it. And I think the second thing is the Bruins secondary scoring. If we can see more out of that second line, that third line, like we did last night. I like their chances. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't see another five to one, five to two game, but I think the Bruins are going to pull it off. I do, and I think, yeah. If I if I'm a betting man, I'm I'm betting on the Bruins tomorrow night. Actually, you know what stinks? Four thirty game tomorrow, which That's I hate. The so Bruins bad. They never play well in the afternoon. Uh, I, it bothers me. Well, they're handcuffing it. They, you got to get the Leafs game prime time. I, I understand where they're going with this. You you have to give the Leafs top billing. But it's just so bad. As a player, it throws off your whole schedule, especially the Bruins. Yeah, they're traveling today. They, it's just a, it's just a mess. You know, it, it ruins your nap. It ruins your pregame skate. It ruins your whole, your whole preparation is out the window. So, I, both teams are going to be handcuffed by it. More so the Bruins because they're on the road. You're in a hotel. It just is uncomfortable. So I don't know, Carolina. I, I feel like this is their year to take the next step. I know last year they lost to the Lightning in the second round. The year before that, they lost to the Bruins in the second round. I just feel like they've they've progressed every single year, and they're better this year. They miss Freddie Anderson. I, I do believe that. Antti Ranta has played well. I just think top to bottom depth, I think Carolina wins this series. Just They're the better team. They're better in the regular season. They are. Even the better yeah. team in the series. In my opinion, of the six games, Carolina vastly has outplayed the Bruins. They deserve to win. Will that happen? I don't know. The Bruins have – they got the experience. I don't know. Last it's a toss-up. Last night, uh, then the last note on the series is Fetchnikov. What a series he's had. He is such a good player. Two goals last night. Um, he's – yeah, you talked about them getting better every year. I think he's the one that – that I think of him and Ajo, where it's like the steps they've taken, they've progressed every single season and they're legit big stars in this league now. So it's been a lot of fun to watch them, even though he's been just destroying the Bruins. It seems like every shift. He's only got four points this series. So it's, it's not like he's lighting it up, but it seems like he is because he's playing physical. He's noticeable yeah. player, but he hasn't been lighting it up. The, the Carolina, their issue, I think this series is their first line guys and this has been their problem all season long. Their first line guys, Ahos, Fetchtikov, and Jarvis, they haven't been producing like other first lines. When you look around the league and you look at the Matthews line, when you look at the even the Bruins, their top line is their top line. They're putting up points. They're controlling the game. When you look at Carolina, they're relying on Trocek has stepped up. Teravine is having a good series. But the big goals aren't coming from their big players. So they need to step up. They haven't been scoring at the same clip that they did in the regular season. Some their leading scorer is a defenseman, Tony Delangelo for Pete's sake. That can't happen. You need to have your top guys produce in the playoffs. And Sebastian Ajo can cannot have five points in six games. Yes, he's playing well. Yes, this and that. You have to step up. When you look at Edmonton, McDavid, and I know they're not on the same playing field. He's their best player. When you watch a game, you go, that's the best player in the team. I know that's the best player. When you watch a Carolina game, who's their best player? I don't know. 
Sometimes it's Martin Nikas for Pete's sake. He played well last night. He, he set up Svechnikov with a nice pass. I don't know who the best player is on Carolina. A night in, night out basis. It has to be Aho. He has to be the best player on the ice. And he, he leaves question marks too many times. He's a good player. He can be better. And he has to step it up if Carolina has any chance of going any further than this round. So we'll do our predictions later. But, oh gosh, it's it's such a good series. Unexpected, but it's been a great series to date. And what, who do you thank for that? Because I don't think the Bruins have played that great. Maybe the coaching staff, you know, they, they put the perfection line back together. That was a big hit. Hit. And then they separate them last game, and then and that worked out well. So good for the Bruins coaching staff. They, I, I think they've been pushing the right buttons when they needed to push them. Maybe they should have put Swayman in a little earlier. Maybe Swayman's three and one. He's been playing well. All right. The game last night, the Leafs and the Lightning. What a series. What an absolute series. You can tell these two teams, they're both top five in the NHL. They have top six. These are two elite teams going at it in the first round. They're both fresh, and it's been a treat to watch. You can tell they tighten their game up. Every battle meant something. These, these two teams know what's at stake. They get it. Tampa Bay obviously gets it. And the Leafs, I feel like they've grown. It was, it was a heck of a game. For the second straight night, Tampa jumps out to a two-rip two lead. And I want to tell you what. The Leafs... The turnovers that led to these two goals were really bad. They're really, really bad. The first one, it's a four-on-four play. Kerfoot's up the ice. He No, was it Kerfoot? Sorry, was it uh, Ka, Kemp for Kasha? It was one of those three guys. Algren. He was – they must have a set play. He's expecting TJ Brody to come underneath. I'm sure everybody's seen it. In my eyes, this is TJ Brody's fault. The forward, we'll call him Kerfoot. I, I can't remember who it was. He's expecting TJ Brody to continue on his path to go underneath them and to pick up this puck. TJ Brody, for whatever reason, cuts bait, and he goes to change. There has to be some communication from the back end there. This isn't the forward's responsibility. He takes a look. Brody's there. He continues on his path, and he drops the puck. Brody has to tell him, I'm changing. Hold on to the puck. Dump it in circle back there has to be some communication there i know the leafs forward is probably getting a lot of slack right now it's not his fault it's it's the d-man's fault for not not uh communicating that anyways palat picks up the puck we all know what happens next he, he scores a savable goal maybe campbell should have had it one nothing the next play mikhaev it's a power play why are you making a 50 50 pass on a zone entry when you know, even if you do get that puck to that forward, you have a lightning D-man going to stand him up. You put it behind the D-man. He goes and retrieves it. He tries to force a 50-50 pass. Sorelli picks it off, goes down. Giordano's flat-footed. It's, it's a race for the you know, the net. Sorelli does a nice little 360. Another goal Campbell, I think, should have saved. It's right Absolutely. on the ice. These are two goals, savable, preventable passes. It's just... If the Leafs would just get out of their own way, they outplayed Tampa Bay last night. Yes, Tampa, I, I think in the first period was the better team. Post first period, Toronto was the much better team. They had more chances, more zone time. They they were the dominant team. But when you put yourself in a two nothing hole like that, on mistakes that are so preventable, 
it's so preventable Toronto. It must be frustrating to be Sheldon and Keith sitting there on the bench. Like, what are we doing? We're the better team. Just get out of our own way. What are we doing? But yeah, they go down to nothing good on them. They fight back. And, and a little interesting note last year, same situation. They're leading Montreal three to two game six. They go down to nothing. They come back. And then in the third period, they give up a five on three for Montreal to tie the game and they lose it in overtime. The same, it's just like deja vu all over again. All right, you, you got something to say. What do you got to say, Tim? Well, I just mentioned, uh, you know, the Leafs getting out of their way and making their own mistakes. And I feel like there's no better team that capitalizes on other team mistakes than the Lightning, right? Oh, absolutely. They're just ch- – they play so well. And it's funny, if they do get a breakaway, if they do get a chance that they don't deserve, you're absolutely right. They bury it. Other teams, they'll get a breakaway. They'll get this. They'll a two-on-one. They don't score the Leafs in overtime. Oh, so many good chances. A breakaway right off the bat for Kerfoot. Can't finish. Then numerous chances in overtime. Even at the end of the third period, they had lots of chances. They couldn't score. And then you give Lightning one chance. It's over. So let's just break it down. So the Leafs, they battle back three to two. And this might be a good sign going forward. Going into this game, we needed Willie Nylander to step up. We needed John Tavares to step up. Tavares plays great. Two goals, game tire. 2 1 2 2. It shocks the whole crowd, shocks Tampa Bay at the end of the second period. Going into the third, the Leafs had all the momentum. They score again, 3 to 2. Let's talk about the penalties. This is what everyone's talking about this morning. What did you think of the penalties? Obviously, the first one, Calfoot embellishes the high stick. They get the. What do you think there should be a penalty review, a coach's challenge where they can go and look at that and say, hey, he didn't even touch him? Because players now, they know how to embellish things. They know if a guy slashes them across the hand, they drop the stick, the hands go up, it's a penalty. They know if a stick gets anywhere near the head, head goes back, it's a penalty. And I don't blame the refs because it, it's such a split-second thing. They, they're looking around, they see a stick up, and they see a guy's face go back. You have to call it. What do you think? Should there be a review? Are, are Toronto fans justifiably upset? Or is this just hockey, man? It, it's Calfoot seizing an opportunity and taking advantage of it. I think it's, I mean, they're definitely justified and they, and they are certainly upset last night and this morning. It's still, the tweets are still rolling in, but you know, there, there's such nuanced plays where, yeah, I think the, the lightning guy in Bell is, but I've watched the replay multiple times and it kind of takes multiple watches to see like where the stick actually hit and how he, you know, made it a bigger deal than it actually was. Cause the first one was the foot and the second one, even with Hedman too, you can make that case where it's like, he, he sold it a little bit, but it, it happens so quick on the ice that even with multiple replays, it's, it's kind of hard to see exactly what happened. And then you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, he totally sold it. I'm not saying it didn't. They didn't do it. But things happen so quickly on the ice. I don't really blame it. But that's a tough pill to swallow when you are got all the momentum and the refs make two penalty calls that shouldn't have been called. And all of a sudden, the, the, the Lightning have a five on three. See, the second penalty on Toronto, the Kerfoot high stick on Hedman, that's Kerfoot's fault. You cannot overextend yourself. You can't be that aggressive. It's such a close game. You're leading three to two. It's in the third period. You're already down a guy and you're in your offensive zone. You're in Tampa Bay zone. Why force it? You put yourself in that situation. It was a, it was a penalty. Hedman's six foot seven. Why is your stick up that high? You give Tampa Bay a five on three for a minute and 42 seconds. And they obviously score. Like they're going to score. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to take advantage of your mistakes. Like we talked about with the turnovers, like we talked about throughout the season, Tampa Bay doesn't make many mistakes and they capitalize on your mistakes. They're such a, they're just such a good team. And so was Toronto. What do you got to say to what? 
Well, the, watch the headman one again because he's the one who lifts Kerfoot's stick into his own face. And so I don't think Kerfoot was even in control in that situation where headman's lifting it and it comes back down, slides down Kerfoot's stick and smacks him right in his own face. And I think that's, again, a tough play to make on the ice, a tough call to make. But I can see the Leafs fan being upset with that one as well. I blame Kerfoot. No business. Like, you, you – it is what it is. His stick hit Hedman up high. It's a penalty. No matter how it got there, you have to be in control of your own stick. Those are the rules. Them's are the breaks. You're at a five on three. We got to kill it off. No, we don't. It's it's a tie game. You're going into overtime. Leafs get a plethora of chances. Vasilevsky makes up for himself. He didn't have a great game. He has not had a great series, Vasilevsky. No. He has given up three goals in every game. There's been six games Vasilevsky has given up three goals in every single game. I think if you're just looking at goaltenders throughout the whole series, Campbell's been the better goaltender overall. Vasilevsky, when going into this series, like that is their strength. The forwards are a wash. The defense, maybe a slight edge to Tampa, maybe. Other than that, it's a wash. The goaltender is where I gave Tampa a, a huge advantage. And Campbell's been the better goaltender. Other than a couple, you know, through his glove where he's staring at, oh, whoopsie-daisy, I should have saved that one. He's been really good. He's kept Toronto in it when they had no business being in it. And Vasilevsky has not played great. But anyways, it's it's 3-3 going into overtime. Toronto gets so many good chances. So many incredible chances. And then the game winner. What is Giordano doing? On this play, people are talking about Matthews blowing a tire. People are talking about, you know, the way they structure Toronto in the zone where the D-man comes over and Marner's on. Uh, who was it going into the zone? I can't recall, but it just ends up being a two-on-one in front of the net with points. And I don't blame Matthews. I don't blame Marner. I don't blame the D-man. I blame Giordano. Why are you flipping the puck into the middle of the ice trying to make something happen in overtime? When your forwards are blowing the zone, you eat the puck. You're a veteran defenseman. You've been around the league. You've been a Norris winner. That was a bad play. It was a bad play. And lo and behold, Braden Point, Mr. Playoffs, Mr. Clutch, he gets the game winner. TJ Brody almost has it. Almost. Ha- or who? It was Bunting. Bunting is coming back. He almost had it. Justin Hall's diving for the puck. Hall pushes the puck into the net when Michael Bunting is going to sweep it out of there, it's, it's just, it's so close that he would have had it too. There's an over overhead view. The puck is just about to cross the line and Bunting stick is there. And you see hall coming in and push his stick out of the way. Great intention ends up in the net. Here we go. Game seven is, could we ask for anything better, Tim, in this series? Honestly, the way this has gone, Toronto, Tampa, Tampa, Toronto, Toronto, Tampa, Toronto could close it out. Tampa, no, no. Could this series go any better? Are we setting the Leafs up for just another epic collapse and just heartbreak? Could this, if if you're a Leafs fan, you have to be excited, but you have to be just so incredibly nervous. If you're a Tampa fan or anybody else in the league who just loves watching the Leafs be tortured, this you could not have wrote it up any better. You have a chance to win five on three, same thing as last year in Montreal. Going to game seven, and you're going to lose again at home to Tampa Bay in front of all your fans. And you mentioned it. There's nothing better than watching that Rogers Center just deflate after a goal because they're all jacked up. And it's, oh, what do you? Could you have written this any better, Tim? 
No, and I love that image. And they do it every year. And it, usually it's the Bruins <laughs> that are eliminating them, right? They're like, they're showing them all hyped up and they'll win some games in a series. And then game seven, it's probably going to be an overtime goal. It's probably going to be Braden Point and Kucherov and then they're going to score. And then the least, they're just going to show that image with all those fans outside in that little square, just deflated, just heads down, crying, hands on their heads. Can't believe crying. what they just saw. And I just... It's my favorite tradition in hockey. I look forward to it every year. It's a lot of fun. So I hope it happens again this year. So we're going into game seven. It's going to be in Toronto, like we mentioned. It's the same cast and characters. Who do you got, Tim? What? There's, there's no way that Tampa Bay loses this game, right? Vasilevsky has never lost a game seven. He usually, if history, if part, stand, correct me if I'm wrong. He usually is good for a shutout. Do you think, A, he gets a shutout? Do you think Tampa wins? Or should we save our picks? Because a stat that you you found, Matthews and Marner are not good when they have a chance to eliminate a team. Zero wins, eight losses. That's that's not even an anomaly. That's There's something behind that. When you have two guys that good who have had a chance to bury a team what do you think's behind that tip? Usually when you get a team down, you, you put your foot on their neck and you bury them. I know that's a bad analogy now, but you, you, you kill them. You, you, you put them away. You know, why can't Matthews and Marners seem to figure this out? Is it, are we just looking into this too much? Is this just, it is what it is. We'll leave it in the past and they they're changed now, but that's a pretty big step. Oh, and eight. You know, every time we post something about the Leafs online, we always get some Leafs fans coming in with like, oh, this is so typical. The media just blaming everything on Matthews, blaming everything on Nylander and Marner and Tavares, like come up with a new stick. It's like, listen, these guys are the leaders. Who else are you going to blame? It doesn't matter if they score two goals in that game. If the team loses, you got to look at the captain. you got to look at the entire roster, and the captain's the most important part of it. And like you said, if it was like – Three goals, four goals, or four games. Like, they're 0-3, 0-4 in a chance to eliminate a team. That's like, well, maybe they could have done more, but I bet the goalie had a bad game, and the rest of the team didn't score. Eight, 0-8, like, that is not an anomaly. That's a trend. That's a pattern. And so there's totally something there. So part of me wants to say, yeah, the Lightning win this. And like you said, Vasilevsky's Mr. Game 7. But the Lightning have not looked like the better team in the series, like you said. They, they are starting to look tired. I think the Leafs have looked like more talented, a little bit more energy. The Lightning have played a lot of hockey in the last two years, a lot of deep playoff runs, and I feel like it's catching up to them a little bit. So I, I'm, if I'm the Leafs, that's what I'm, that's what I'm capitalizing on. That's what I'm hoping for. But Game Seven, I'm not betting against Tampa Bay. Yeah, it, it's going to be a good game. I, I feel like, like you mentioned, Toronto has been the better team, top to bottom, overall. Every single game, well, except for, I think, one, Toronto has been the better team. It's going to be fun. It's must-watch hockey. I'll get to my pick a little bit later in the show. I'm not going to bury the lead. But, yeah, it's, uh, gosh, two game sevens, Tim. Two game sevens. (laughs) That is what burying the lead is, just (laughs) saving it for the end. Oh, is that what it is? I don't know. I'm not not good (laughs) at this. All right, let's go to another potential game seven, Wild Blues. We were talking before the game, even last show. Who's going to start in that? Who's going to start in that for Minnesota? Crucial game, elimination game. I was like, there's no way they're going to put Cam Talbot in net. No possible way. It, it just is not going to happen. Lo and behold, I was wrong. You you send me a schneid, schneidy little text saying, guess who's starting? Meh. 
And as soon as I saw that text, I knew Minnesota was going to lose. This was a, there's a, it's a no win situation for Cam Talbot. And lo and behold, Minnesota loses. We'll, we'll break it down a little bit. What was Cam Talbot's comment after the game? I thought this was very interesting. Yeah, he said, I was doing everything I could do to stay ready. You don't want to come in in an elimination game, but you still want the opportunity to play during the playoffs. They gave him the opportunity, just wasn't good enough. He's saying right there, you don't want your first start in a, in a playoffs to be in an elimination game. And he wasn't ready. That first goal that Nick Letty let up, we can get into it. But Whoa. yeah, I think that's, that speaks volumes. When you're when you're looking to throw a guy under the bus or throw somebody under the bus, the first sentence you say speaks volumes for the rest of your comment. I think he said that I was doing everything I could to stay ready. You don't want to come in in an elimination game. Then he realized what he said and he goes, well, you know, but you still want the opportunity to play that, you know, they gave me an opportunity and I, I just wasn't good enough. Uh, it was me, me, me. No, 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 Cam. You made your bed in the first sentence there. You did not want to come in in the elimination game in game six. And I don't blame him. You've been sitting there watching this game for the last week, week and a half, not playing much in the playoffs. They don't practice. They play the game. In the off in the off day, maybe they go out and get a light skate. They're not practicing. Then they go out and they get a morning skate and they play. It's every other night. So he's not getting a full workload. He's working with the black aces. He's working with the guys who are scratched. He's he's basically just a bystander at this point. Mark Andre Fleury is getting all the action. He's getting all the warm up reps and warm ups. Cam has not seen an NHL level speed type practice or game for a week and a half and you throw them in on game six and then to, to compound this for the first 10 minutes of the game, Minnesota dominated. He had one shot, which was a nice save, but one shot for the first 10 minutes. And then Nick Letty comes down the ice on, on the second shot and he just shoots it from the top of the circle, a very lackluster shot. I know Nick Letty. He does not have a hard shot and it goes in short side upstairs not even top shelf not we're not talking you know under the net bar down we're talking kind of up high and it goes in i'm just like uh cam's probably just thinking oh i do not want to be here i do not want to be here right now and that was that was that was a tough goal for minnesota to swallow they were they were really playing well they were going out there they were buzzy they were all over st louis creating chances playing physical they get that goal and it just deflated everything St. Louis goes on. They score three more goals after two periods, and it was done. Two power play goals. It, it, it was over. It was over as soon as Nick Letty scored the goal, which is too bad because I feel like Minnesota throughout the series, and we talked about this coming into the series, five-on-five five, Minnesota was the better team. And I'll hang my hat on that. I know people might argue, well, St. Louis won four to two, this and that. They got this. Five-on-five, five, Minnesota was the better team. It just, you cannot give up eight power play goals. You cannot give up a power play goal, at least one every single game. At least they gave up one every game. You cannot have a 69.2% penalty code percentage and expect to win in the playoffs. You cannot do that. And we talked about Minnesota's PK percentage coming into the series. It was terrible. It was 76%. They could not handle St. Louis's power play. And they didn't even adjust to it, which is the hard thing to watch because St. Louis didn't reinvent the wheel. They weren't going out and throwing things at them that were just brand new and 
earth shattering moves and, and strategies. And it was the same thing. Every team does. You try to create two on ones, you go low to high and you try to score when you get your chance. And St. Louis did that to perfection. But the first game, they used a shot pass Perron, bing, 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 goal, goal, goal. Last night, it was so incredibly simple. And the Minnesota defensemen and low forward, I don't know what they're doing. A guy from behind the net or on the goal line, he's a lot less dangerous than a guy in the slot. Am I, am, am I crazy, Tim? No, am I crazy? Uh, you shouldn't even have to say it. Well, then what the heck are Dumba and Brodeen and Moose, Marcus Felino, friend of the show, why are we diving at David Perron? Why are we doing that and leaving Ryan O'Reilly just alone in front of the net? Why are we worried about the guy cross-ice on the goal line when the guy on the other side has the puck? Why are we trying to block that pass and leaving the guy in front of the net wide open? It just boggles my mind. St. Louis didn't do anything outrageous. They just executed, and they took advantage of Minnesota's deficiency. For whatever reason, anytime they're a man down, Minnesota has a brain fart, and they just blow it. Absolutely blow it. When they get a chance to clear, they don't clear it. They lose every face-off, and they stink at killing penalties. If they could have stayed out of their own way, stayed out of the box, they would have won this game. But like every game, St. Louis had six opportunities in game one, five opportunities in game two, three power plays in game three, four power plays in game four, only two in game five. Last night, they had six. You can't do this to yourself if you know your weakness. Okay, I'm a fighter. I fought during my whole career. I'm not good punching with my left hand. I'm not going to start the fight in a southpaw stance and get beat up. Why am I going to do that? I know my weaknesses, and I play to hide my weaknesses. I play to my strengths. Minnesota didn't do that in this series at all. They shot themselves in the foot. Every chance they could, they took too many penalties, and that's why they lost. If they would have kept it five on five, they would have won this series like we talked about in the predictions a week and a half ago. And it sucks because I think Minnesota is a really good team. St. Louis is good too. We're going to have a rematch of last year when they got swept by Colorado or two years ago. I can't remember. But it's just wild or done. Next three years are done. You're not going to hear a peep out of them. They might not even make the playoffs next year because of the salary cap implications of Suter and Prezi. We'll get to that in the offseason. But wah, 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 wah. A disappointment. Yeah, Especially, I wanted to see more of Kaprizov. I wanted to see him going us around. You know, he's been electric this whole season, especially in the playoffs, and it sucks that, that he's done so quickly. It is, it, you know, what are you going to do? He played great. He was good. They just, they shot, like I said, they shot themselves in the put, foot. Wilder done. St. Louis moves on. They're playing Colorado. That's already been set in stone. Bingo, bingo, bongo. Let's move on to another Western Conference game. Oilers and Kings. Darnell Nurse. Let's, let's touch on that a little bit. I wanted to send a tweet out of Darnell for the headbutt. We, advised, we talked about it as a company, and I was advised against it because it was going to be a very, I, I thought that was the most dirtiest play I've seen in a long time with Darnell Nurse. And the reason we didn't was because he might come on the show. I'll be completely frank. We are messaging with him. He wants to come on. I, we want him on, but maybe in the off season, I didn't want to blow him up with a tweet and just, you know, burn that bridge. So we didn't do it. That headbutt was a premeditated intent to injure dirty play. 
dirty, dirty play. I thought he should have got three, four, five games at least. You could tell it was premeditated. He slashes Dano with a vicious two-hander right before he headbutts him. The puck gets covered. He kind of leads with his head and launches him. If that's during the play and Dano has the puck, if Dano has the puck and Nurse does that, that's a five-minute penalty and at least three games. I don't know what Georgie Boy is doing at player safety. It's insane. Deneau's not expecting it. The play's over. And old headbutt McGee decides to launch himself into his jaw. Deneau, what a... That guy's got metal jaw. That would have knocked anybody out. Like He's squaring the button, not even expecting it, and he just eats it. Eats it. And just moves on. Goes on with his day. Goes on to score later in the game. Moving past it. Your best defenseman's gone. Although Nurse has been trash all series, so this probably helped them. We're not going to get him on the show. He's, he's not coming on the show. So he's been trash all series. I, I, I saw some Edmonton fans saying this is actually a good thing. I saw some care or uh, I saw some Kings fans saying we actually would like him to stay in the lineup because he's been so bad. All, all that aside, he's out. You're playing with six defensemen. One guy who hasn't played all series. The Oilers go out and play their best defensive game of the series. The, all, the whole series, they played great. Mike Smith looked good. The defense looked strong. They weren't taking chances. They were, they were playing within themselves. And they did what they needed to do to win the game because when you have 97, you know he's going to be electric. You just can't make too many mistakes. And boy, oh boy, was 97 good last night. From the first goal right to the end of the game, the guy was outstanding. He was... <laughs> We are witnessing something special here, people. You have no idea how hard it is to do what he does. When the Kings go into their game planning session, then when they watch video, I know Todd McClellan. I've been in a video room with him. I know what he's saying. He's saying, all we have to do is stop 97 and we will win this series. That's it. We'll give, we'll give 29 a couple goals. We'll, have, we'll let Kane have some space. All we have to do is stop 97. That's all they're saying, Tim. That's it. They still can't do it. The guy is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible what he's doing. He's leading the league in points. He's got 12 points. He, he's just lights out every shift he's on the ice. He is single-handedly making Evander Kane like a ton of money next year. Kane's got seven goals. All seven of them, I would imagine, are assisted by McDavid. He is just... He's so incredibly good. So incredibly good. So he wins this game for the Edmonton Oilers. The Kings did have a pushback. They tied it up two to two. What are we doing now for game seven in this series, Tim? You picked the Kings to win. We're going back to Edmonton. How much pressure is on these guys? Can they capitalize on a win? Can they build on this? You're going to have Darnell Nurse back. Maybe, maybe they sit him. Maybe Woody sits him down and says, you know what? We're better without you. Where do you see this series going? I hope that the, the Oilers win. I mean, I, I picked the Kings, and I still I think they have a good chance. But I want Edmonton to be good. I want to see what McDavid can do in a playoff run. Of course I want them to win. But it's impossible to predict. In the words of uh, Socrates, if there's one thing that I know, it's that I don't know anything. And so this, this whole entire playoffs has been in- impossible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Edmonton Oilers to win Game 7. I'm going to change my pick here just based on what I've seen. They're back in Edmonton. You can't do that. <laughs> yes, I'm going to change my pick and take Colorado then. No, that's not how it works. But I don't know. I, I I don't know. I just don't know. I have no idea. What do you think? The team that has scored first has not won every game. That was the Carolina game. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm very interested to see what happens. I, I think the Kings did play well last game. The Oilers played well. If the matchup is going to be huge because they're going to get the last change. They're going to get McDavid away from Deneau. They started their nuclear option when they put McDavid and Dreinsaitl together. So that's, gosh, if they do that again and they can get away from the Deneau line, I like Edmonton's chances. So going into game seven, Quick looked good. Smith looked good. Oh, man. All right, let's do it. Game sevens, and we'll get then we'll get to tonight's games. Canes Bruins. Who are you? Who do you like in this game? Canes Bruins. Quentin, because we're not going to get it. We're not going to get to do this because these games are coming on Saturday. So we're doing picks for tonight and tomorrow night. Who do we got? Canes Bruins. Every game. Yeah. Game seven. Bruins. I'm going. To, I'm going. The home team. Carolina is going to win that one. Leafs and Lightning. Oh my gosh, there's so many good games. Leafs and Lightning, game seven. This is going to be the most watched sporting event on Saturday in the whole world. Everyone should tune into this game. It's going to be, it's, it's just going to be so good. Who do you have, Tim? Come on, give it to me. Uh, Lightning. <sighs> yeah, um, uh, me too. I, you, you can't go against recent history. They're, they're too good. I, I, it's going to be, I hope it goes to overtime so we can all lose our mind. Oilers Kings game seven. Who do you got? Man, I, the Oilers, that's the Oilers. I'm going to switch my pick. I think the Oilers fold. I'm going LA for the win. All right, moving on. You know, the last time they had three game sevens was, was in 2011 there's a potential to have six game sevens in the first round. That hasn't happened since 1992. This is, this is an aberration. This doesn't happen very often. So we're very lucky to have these possibilities. Parody, Tim. Parody, Gary Bettman must be just loving life over there, you little weasel. All right, tonight's games. Rangers, Penguins, Crosby, Captain Canada, uncertain. Who's going to win this game, Tim? Well... Depends on if he plays or not, but I know that's kind of a cop-out answer. I think I think the Penguins win. I think they win regardless. Sullivan had a great quote, and I know it's kind of quote you know, coach posturing, but he said, I like our chances regardless of who's in the lineup. We have a great group of players, and we don't rely on any one player. But as good as Gensel is, how many of his goals were assisted by Crosby? Almost all of them, right? So, I would say all of them. You know, Gensel's got seven as well, but guess who's got a bunch of assists? Sidney Crosby got seven assists. So yeah, the Rangers didn't deserve to win last game. I think they got lucky. I think getting Crosby out of their help. What did you think of that hit, by the way? Truba, kind of can opener. His stick catches Crosby's toe. Crosby goes off balance, and then the forearm shiver comes through and buries him. Clean hit? Deserve a penalty? Suspension worthy? No, not suspension worthy. Maybe a penalty, but I don't think it was a dirty hit. Um, I think, it, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. Agreed. It sucks that, that someone's injured because of it, though. It does suck. That's why we play the game. If Crosby's out, the Rangers win. If Crosby's in, the Rangers win. I think the Rangers are going to win this game. Shesterskin, he has to play better. There's no way he can continue this level of just bad play for this long. I think he snaps out of it. He plays well. The Rangers win this game, and we're going to another game seven. All right, Caps, Panthers. Panthers are up three to two. The Caps blow a 3-0 lead in game five. How how that must sting. It must sting. You're going back home. You're undefeated at home. 
can they tie this game up or are they still reeling from just if you have three nothing in any game, let alone a playoff game, you you ching, we win that game on to game six. We're gonna win at home, wrap up the series. Florida roars back and scores five unanswered goals. Who's going to win this game? Uh, are the Caps done? They're done, right, Tim? They have to be done. I think so. I think what we saw, um, those five unanswered goals, was Florida taking the reins on this series. And Washington, you got to give them credit. They impressed everybody. They, don't, they surprised a lot of people. But I think this is – I think I'm ready to say this is over and it's Florida series now. I agree. I think Florida's going to put this baby to bed. Washington's done. It was cute. It was a good season for them. I ate a lot of crow with Ovechkin, but right now I think it's just another first-round exit for Washington. It was fun while it lasted. Now it's time to go. All right, the last game, Flame Stars. This is still a series. Is anybody watching this series? (laughs) Nobody watches it. The Stars or the Flames have scored seven goals, I think, all series long. It's just been such a boring, boring series to watch. They're in game six. Stars are losing three to two. Are they going to tie it up? Is Captain America Joe Pavelski going to turn back the clock again, Tim, and win one nothing and take it back to Calgary? What do we what is going to happen, Tim? I do like this one to go seven. I like I, I like Dallas. Yeah. They just they just keep battling back. And I think the experience is shining through. I think you'll see a big game from Pavelski again. If I were to be a betting man, I might pick Pavelski to score a goal. So I like I still probably like the Calgary in the series, but I like Dallas to force a game seven tonight. Wow. I'm going with Calgary. I, I just think it's been too much for Dallas stars. You know, they snuck out a couple games. They maybe rightfully should have won a couple more, but I think Calgary's going to finish it off and move on to the second round. Speaking of, if you're a betting man, you are a betting man. And to be more precise, you're a points betting man. We've already had our picks. Do you want to put any like special picks on it? Like, oh, we're going to go with a Dallas win and a Pavelski goal or something fun like that, Tim, and over and under? Give it to us. I want to gamble. Come on. Uh, that's actually a good idea. That's I just said it. I'll, I'll do two bets tonight. The first one I'm going to do, both on the same game. Give me the Dallas win. Give me Pavelski goal. And give me the under five and a half total goals. Wow, I love that. Lock it in, check it out. And you know what I'm doing right now, actually, as we speak? I'm on my DoorDash app because I'm hungry, because it's almost lunchtime, and I'm on my computer. I'm going to order sub. I'm going to break down. You know, it's a Friday. I don't eat meat. I'm going to veggie sub, and I'm on DoorDash, and I'm going to enter my promo code GLOVESDDUS. Get myself a little discount, and you should too, because it's so easy. Use DoorDash. We use them. You should use them. Tim uses them all the time. He gets COVID like every other week. And DoorDash works great. If you're in the USA, like I said, promo code GLOVESDDUS. If you're in Canada, just promo code GLOVESDD. You get 25% off, free delivery on your first order, and you're done. So check it out. Use DoorDash. Go to PointsBet. Throw a bet down and have yourself a heck of a week into hockey. It's going to be so fun. Tons of game sevens, potentially six of them, first time since 1992. So enjoy it. We'll catch you guys on Monday because we're going to have a lot to recap. It's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody, for the support. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.